Hello, and welcome to another episode of Granite Justice, navigating civil legal issues in your daily life. I'm your host, Shane Cooper, an Associate Dean at the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Please remember as you listen, this podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing said here by either party constitutes legal advice of any kind or creates any attorney-client relationship between a listener and New Hampshire Legal Assistance or 603 Legal Aid or the UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. It is possible that the law has changed after recording this podcast episode where the information shared does not exactly fit with your specific situation. For the most up-to-date information or to get legal help, please visit 603legalaid.org. For many, home is a place of love, warmth, and comfort. It's somewhere that you know you will be surrounded by care and support. But for millions of others, home is anything but a sanctuary. The U.S. Department of Justice estimates that 1.3 million women and 835,000 men are victims of physical violence by a partner every year. So this month of October is recognized nationally as Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It's a time to be a voice for the victims and survivors who have endured domestic violence in their lives. And year to date, 603 Legal Aid has received 679 applications for assistance from people who are victims of domestic violence and are looking for assistance in a family law matter, such as a protective order hearing or divorce, parenting, etc. I'm excited uh, today to be joined by Taylor Flagg, who is the program coordinator of 603 Legal Aid's Dove Project. She joined the organization in May and has jumped right into her role with the goal to improve services for domestic violence and stalking victims in New Hampshire. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And uh, Taylor, on an earlier episode of this podcast, uh, we spoke with Erin Jacina from New Hampshire Legal Assistance, and Erin explained about civil protective orders, which is the main end goal of a domestic violence uh, survivor. But getting there can be a very difficult process. So Taylor, I'd like to start a bit at the beginning. What is the most helpful thing that an advocate could do for someone still in the process of leaving an abuser? That is a great question, Shane. I think the most important thing that we can do is recognize each person's situation is unique. So we cannot possibly imagine what life is like for that survivor in whatever they are experiencing. As an advocate, something I like to say is to a survivor is, you know your life best. Because domestic violence happens behind closed doors, because of the nature of the intimate relationship, we don't truly know what that looks like or what that feels like for that individual person. And so it's incredibly important to recognize how unique it is to each individual. In my opinion, the two most important things an advocate can do is one, educate. So provide the survivor with information on all of their options so they can choose what is right for them. Don't just assume path A is the path that the survivor should take. The second is safety plan. It's so crucial for survivors to have a plan in place for when a DV incident does occur or escalate. They know what they can do to keep themselves safe. And and so Taylor... Obviously, one of the first things we think about with domestic violence is safety, and and I know you mentioned that as well, but could you describe how else uh, domestic violence might impact a person's life? Yeah, absolutely. So domestic violence really affects every aspect of a survivor's life. So obviously, the home life is going to be affected. That is the most 
kind of glaringly obvious part, right? But relationships with children can be affected. Witnessing domestic violence has been proven to have significant consequences on a child's health and well-being, which is often referred to as an adverse childhood experience. It can affect a survivor's work, so missing days of work, affecting your ability to concentrate at work. Also, finances. Financial abuse is very control- very common in domestic violence relationships where the abuser has control over the finances. Health. That is a really big one. Research shows that victims of domestic violence have long-term poor health outcomes and not just mental health. So the CDC estimates that 75% of female intimate partner violence survivors and 48% of male intimate partner violence survivors experience some form of injury related to intimate partner violence. Sadly, it can also result in death. Approximately one in five homicide victims are killed by an intimate partner. But the health outcomes goes even beyond this kind of obvious thought of just a physical injury or worse. Research shows that intimate partner violence survivors can have a range of conditions that can affect your heart, muscles, bones, digestive system, reproductive system, nervous systems. All of these things can become chronic conditions as a result of being a survivor of domestic violence. And of course, as we know, People from groups that have been traditionally marginalized are even at higher risks for both intimate partner violence and poorer health outcomes. So in my long-winded explanation, this just goes to show that domestic violence is not a personal issue. It's not a marital problem. It is not just a family matter. It is a public health crisis that needs to be addressed on a larger scale. Taylor, thanks so much for that. it's nice, not nice, but it's good that you're highlighting all of the other things that could be impacted along the way. So appreciate you providing a broader picture of that. Um, if I could then bring it back to the survivor for a moment who's going through this justice system. In general, could you describe what that's like, uh, particularly if they're on their own as they go through it? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, the important thing to know is that many survivors who have gone through the legal system will tell you that the court process is worse than the abuse they have experienced themselves. Unfortunately, this system rarely feels like justice to the survivor. Oftentimes, the survivor doesn't want to see their intimate partner punish. They just want the abuse to stop. And so they're thrown into this overwhelming system against their will, essentially. And so when we think of the justice system or the broader legal system, there's really kind of two tracks that a survivor can take. One is the criminal justice system and then the civil justice system. So for the criminal justice system, say, you know, where their abuser may be arrested, charged with a domestic violence related offense, and is going through that criminal process. That is nothing like we see on Law & Order SVU. It is a brutally long process that can take upwards of a year or more, sometimes even many years to go through a case. It's also important to note that in the criminal system, it's the state of New Hampshire versus the defendant. This means that the state can and will continue prosecution even if the victim or survivor does not want to. 
This often means that victims are forced to participate in the system where every part of their life is scrutinized by the state, by the court, by the defense, and by the jury. Most of the rights that are most of the rights in the criminal system are afforded to the defendant. In New Hampshire, we do have a victim bill of rights, but these are statutory rights and they do not supersede the constitutional rights afforded to someone that is accused of a crime. Victims and survivors do not get appointed counsel in the criminal system, although they can certainly get their own if they so choose. Most of the time, they have a victim witness advocate in the prosecutor's office that can support them through the process and keep them up to date. But it's important to remember that the prosecutor isn't counsel for the victim. They are counsel for the state. I do just want to make a plug here that I know some amazing prosecutors and victim witness advocates in New Hampshire who are incredibly victim-centered and trauma-informed. But because the legal system is built this way, where the state of New Hampshire is the one bringing the charges forward, that can be incredibly traumatic from the victim, for the victim, excuse me. And it's not always clear for the victim that their rights are being heard in the system. Now, regarding the civil justice system, so this, you can think protective orders, divorce, custody battles. In this system, it is the survivor versus the defendant. And similarly to the criminal system, they are not immediately afforded counsel unless they obtain one on their own, which brings up a really important point of barriers to access to justice. According to the Equal Access to Justin Justice Commission report, New Hampshire has a shortage of low or no-cost legal help. And so if you can't afford an attorney, you're going into this court system with no legal experience, no one to advocate for you, and no one to even explain how it works. Sadly, in 2022, out of all the domestic violence and stalking petitions that were filed, only 14% of domestic violence victims and 6% of stalking victims were represented by counsel at their hearing. And unfortunately, cost isn't the only barrier for survivors. They may have transportation issues, childcare, safety, like we talked about earlier, is a big one. They may not be able to escape the abuser or they're worried about the abuser finding out that they are filing for these things in civil court. There are language barriers, cultural barriers, mental illness, substance abuse. And most importantly, there's a stigma. Survivors feel a real stigma regarding this. They think they won't be believed. They'll be asked, why didn't you leave, etc. So Taylor, as you described the, the number of barriers out there and then the results of, of that, the, the, the numbers you shared with me are really low, as you mentioned, 14% getting the, the legal support they need. Could you explain then what exactly 603 Legal Aid's Dove Project is and, and how it's able to help domestic violence survivors? Absolutely. So the Dove Project connects survivors of domestic violence and stalking who are seeking a protective order with an attorney who will represent them for free at their final hearing. This is done in collaboration with crisis centers across the state, pro bono volunteers, New Hampshire Legal Assistance, as well as 603 Legal Aid staff attorneys. 
Because of the Dove Project, low-income victims and survivors are able to access legal representation at no cost to them. This wildly increases their chances of getting a protective order and maintaining their safety. So that's a great uh, opportunity and a resource. Uh, with that said, it sounds like it relies heavily on, in addition to the crisis centers, which is something that I know Aaron Jacina spoke with us about when we we're talking about civil protective orders. It really does rely on the capability or the capacity, I'd say, of your staff attorneys as well as volunteer attorneys. Is that really the one of the critical items is, is the access to the attorneys that would provide these sort of services? Absolutely. You know, our collaborative partners are really the glue that holds this program together. And so being able to talk with an attorney, having them not only represent you in court, but answering your questions about, you know, this issue, being your legal advocate, going into court and speaking for you, trying to protect you from in-court intimidation by the abuser or defense counsel. That is just so incredibly important because if a survivor were to go into court by themselves, having no experience with this before, Imagine how intimidating that is to have to go up on the witness stand and testify about the abuse you have experienced while being questioned by the person who has abused you. And so with that uh, need for the access to the attorney, you know, we're speaking to a number of different audiences out here on this podcast, whether it be survivors uh, seeking more information and the resources or those out in the community that provide this sort of support whether they're in uh, working in the crisis center areas or, or other areas of support. What I'd like to focus on a bit is for those attorneys that are out there listening, to those that are part of the New Hampshire State Bar uh, listening to this podcast and, and perhaps in their own practice areas. But could you explain a bit about what tra training opportunities there might be for attorneys that are listening out there who would be interested in volunteering with the Dove Project? Absolutely. So if an attorney is interested in becoming a Dove volunteer. First, they can sign up on our website at 603legalaid.org. They can also contact me directly at Dove, D-O-V-E, at 603legalaid.org. I'm always happy to talk to attorneys, answer any questions, concerns they have about the process. We do offer personalized training. So when I'm onboarding an attorney into the program, I meet with them and really see where they're at. If it's an attorney who has a ton of experience in this field, they may just need a little bit of a refresher for these, and I'm happy to provide that. We also have volunteers who haven't really had experience in this area of the law before, and so we are more than happy to work with them, provide additional training, connect them to a volunteer that has been doing this for a long time. So they have a mentor for cases like this. And also, just a shameless plug, we do offer a yearly in-person training for attorneys. So I'm not sure by the time this airs if the date has already passed, but we are going to be doing an attorney training this October 11th. It is a free CLE event, so attorneys can sign up on the New Hampshire Bar Association website. They will get CLE credits. They will learn a ton about how we can limit this gap for survivors and accessing justice. And they will also get a free lunch. So that's also a plus. That's great. And uh, 
what I'm hearing there then for an attorney that uh, obviously if they've got a lot of experience here, we would want them to be able to join, join in on this project, but there may be those other attorneys without experience in this area, or perhaps younger attorneys who are trying to uh, learn about different areas of the law. This is, sounds like a wonderful opportunity to be paired up with a, with an organization that has expertise in the area, contacts the mentors uh, in this area of law that would be experts. And it would really help, I think, help these younger attorneys find an, another area of law where they can start to become uh, proficient in and begin uh, supporting the community in this way. And so are there any other reasons why you think an attorney would should seriously consider volunteering with the Dove Project? Absolutely. I think, you know, attorneys are in a really unique and powerful position to use their education, their experience, and their privilege to provide assistance to our most vulnerable citizens. We have many volunteer attorneys who have been working with the Dove Project for longer than I have been alive. So this is a longstanding program, and it has been very meaningful to a lot of attorneys in their work. We also offer a lot of support to our volunteer attorneys. So we offer malpractice insurance for these cases, the training and technical assistance that we talked about. We waive court and in-state fees. We cover litigation expenses. As I had mentioned previously, we're happy to connect our newer attorneys to a mentor and someone more experienced to help them, you know, show them the ropes. And we also provide interpretation services if we have a client who is non-English speaking. And very excitingly, as of June 1st, 2023, for every 300 minutes of billable time done on a pro bono case, attorneys will earn 60 minutes of general CLE credit. So if they volunteer with the Dove Project, they can actually earn CLE credits for the time they are dedicating on these cases. That's, uh, I think, worth repeating. And and what I've heard then is that if I'm an attorney uh, thinking about joining in, uh, you've raised some important considerations that I think would have come to mind, which is, you know, what cost might I need to incur? Do I need to incur the fees on behalf of the client if I'm volunteering? Uh, malpractice for for certain, um, uh, that insurance and that coverage. Uh, But to hear that that's all covered by the organization and the project, that's uh, that's definitely, I think, good news to hear for for those out there considering this, the mentorship. But it's also nice to know about that uh, this initiative in June 1st, where the billable time could uh, translate into CLE credit. That's wonderful to hear and uh, a great initiative. And let me also switch gears a little bit when we talk about Dove. And um, as you know, I'm associated here with uh, UNH Franklin Pierce, uh, the law school here in Concord. And, and could you talk a little bit about uh, the connection between the law school and our students um, and the Dove Project? Absolutely. So we work closely with UNH Law's Daniel Webster Scholar Program each year. So we take about two to three weeks every February, March, and train UNH law students on how to handle these types of cases. So we teach them the domestic violence statute. We teach them the stalking statute. But more importantly, what we also teach them is how do you work with someone who is a trauma survivor? How do you make sure that when you are doing these cases, you are not further re-traumatizing the client you are working with? And so we really prepare the UNH law students so that when they graduate and they're admitted to the bar, 
they can start handling these cases right away and immediately start doing pro bono volunteer work. Oh, that's great. I know uh, from those I've spoken with here at the law school, to have that connection between Dub and the Daniel Webster Scholar Program has been great. It's a great opportunity for our students to learn. And, and our hope is that we're also supporting the Dub Project and providing critical support to survivors. And then, uh, Taylor, let me just, uh, as we near the close of the podcast, I, I'd like to ask you just generally, there's other ways that people out there listening that are listening to this podcast, how can they support Dub Project particularly as we head into October or we are in October by the time we uh, put this podcast out on Domestic Violence Awareness Month. But uh, what can people do out there if they're listening to this and want to help? Absolutely. So if you're an attorney, first and foremost, please consider joining the Dove Project. Because protective order hearings have such a quick turnaround, we need as many volunteers as we can get. I just want to re-highlight the fact that only 14% of domestic violence survivors and 6% of stalking survivors in New Hampshire are being represented by counsel. We really, really need more attorneys to assist with this project. For advocates, if you're an advocate listening, just know you are already doing immense work with us by partnering and advocating for your clients. Please continue to keep up the great work. It is not an easy job being an advocate. And just know that we are here to support you in any way. For people who are listening that may not be an advocate or an attorney, the most important thing you can do is educate yourself regarding domestic violence and stalking. Learn what the red flags are. Learn the nuances of what this means and address your own biases on what you may think domestic violence is. Also, become familiar with your crisis centers. Know what your local crisis center is. So if you encounter someone who may be experiencing domestic violence or stalking, know where you can refer that person to for help. And more than anything, just be supportive, listen, and empathize with anyone you know who may be going through domestic violence. Uh, Taylor, thank you for that. And um, I think you may have mentioned it briefly as we talked about attorneys interested in volunteering, but it's always good at the end of these uh, discussions just to highlight how we would get in contact with you. If there's further questions about the Dove Project. Could you provide some of your contact information? Yes, absolutely. So you can learn a little bit more about the Dove Project on our website, 603legalaid.org. There is a form on there. If you click Dove, you can sign up to be a volunteer and then you would be hearing from me shortly and I would be reaching out and discussing the ways that you can join. You can also, if you have questions, concerns, please feel free to email us at dove, D-O-V-E, at 603legalaid.org. Wonderful. Thank you, Taylor. And so for everyone out there listening, I want to thank the, the volunteer attorneys, the advocates, uh, who have been putting their time into this uh, project, helping those uh, survivors in the state of New Hampshire, knowing that there's so much more work to do, so much more need for support in this area. And Taylor, specifically, I want to thank you. I know you have a history of working in this area, working with survivors. And I know that uh, 603 Legal is just lucky to have you here with the Dove Project. So thank you for your hard work. And I wish you the best in the future. Thank you so much, Shane. That means a lot. This was Granite Justice, a podcast collaboration of the UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law, 603 Legal Aid, New Hampshire Legal Assistance, 
the New Hampshire Campaign Legal Services, and the Granite State News Collaborative. Thanks for your time.